Welcome to It's All Beer. We still say Merry Christmas, goddammit, uh, unless you're Jewish, in which case, Happy Hanukkah. Uh, or if you're from ancient Rome, um, in which case, Happy Saturnalia. Or if you're a cheated, angry bastard, in which case, uh, Happy Obligatory Winter Capitalist Clusterfuck. Um, and if you're among the shibboleth of Cthulhu, uh, in which case, Happy Ancient Rite of... <laughs> I guess what I'm saying is whatever you're Where's into. Where's Happy Kwanzaa, motherfucker? <laughs> I guess what I'm saying, whatever you're, whatever you're into. Uh, I hope you do enjoy a beer around this time. I'm Jeremy Jones. I'm Tyler Zimmerman, and we've got a, a special guest for this our last episode of uh, 2021. Um, he is the uh, owner and founder of uh, Blue Pit Brewing, uh, Jeff Pardis. Welcome. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much for having me. Uh, we'll get into uh, all the things um, uh, about uh, a Blue Pit Brewing, but we'll start off. You brought you brought us some presents. Um, how did you? You must have gotten my Christmas list because uh, you brought me uh, the entirety of it in in, uh, in one go. Yeah, I, I am. I'm saying I'm a beer. Huge fan of the Belgian triple style, so I thought that's eh, a good way, good winter beer to segue into this. I think. So start. So starting off with the big boy, the Belgian triple. Nine point five percent. Oh damn. Couldn't you have brought a big beer? <laughs> I know what. My bad. I could have brought some Miller Lite, I guess. <laughs> You're going to make it hard driving home tonight, Jeff. I know. i got to drive back in the, in the snow. I better take it easy. Nah. That's nice. You'll it's be fine. A... Just thumbing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. This, it's all beer does not endorse trying to navigate your home while drunk while using your thumbs <laughs> as a guideline between the road, which does not work. <laughs> This is nice. It's a uh, 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 lightly fruity. Got that mm-hmm. kind of uh, a, a decent dose of like those Belgian uh, phenolics. Yeah. Nice dry finish. Uh, good clarity to it. Good almost esters on the mouth. Um, super crisp at the end. Very refreshing. For a for a nine and what you said five nine point five. I would have thought maybe this was five and a half six. Very deceptive. Hey. It, I, I mean, I, I would, I would have pegged it for the higher echelon of, uh, of, of booze, but I mean, it, it, it conceals nine point five fairly well. Um, it's got a little, it's got a little like herbaly hoppy bite at the end too, which I'm just like. trying to say I'm an alcoholic, Jeremy. I'm can't taste the alcohol. I'm basically saying that yeah, you survive on booze and anger, which uh, I, you, I mean, you're, especially today because you came in on one. <laughs> oh, poor Tyler got a parking ticket, and now yeah. he's gonna fuck <laughs> meter maids. Uh, <laughs> Well, <laughs> as a beer up, this was my first parking ticket. It would have been one thing if it was a couple minutes after the meter expired, but the fact that it was one minute after the meter expired just really grinds my gears. Can't you just bring that to the boss and be like, "Here, I got a parking ticket." Yeah, that, it's the principal right okay, now. All right, I got. I say so I worked in news, and sometimes we had to park illegally just to get the microwave dish to work. So I do have a. I, I had a, a meter made like put a ticket on the window while I'm sitting in the driver's seat <laughs> with my feet up, and then like walks back to take the picture. I give a thumbs up, <laughs> and then for fun, I tried to contest it. <laughs> <laughs> All I'm saying is meter mids. Like, how do you know this wasn't gonna ruin some little kid's Christmas by giving it? Also, why the fuck is City of Boise charging a twenty dollar fucking parking ticket for an expired meter on the outskirts of downtown? Um, I guess just I, they got one look at you and said, "Yeah, they, he's not ruining anybody. We can we can uh, ruin this miserable battle." He didn't even see me. <laughs> Anywho, uh, we'll get into what we actually gathered here to talk about. Um, 
Uh, Jeff, uh, Blue Pit Brewing. Why don't you tell us? Uh, give us a give us a little bit of an overview of uh, what you're all doing in Mountain Home. Yeah, absolutely. We'll give you a quick thirty thousand foot look at it. So, uh, retired military, and then the last couple years in the military, I was like, you know what? I don't want to do anything with military. I don't want to do with anything with jet engines or maintenance or F-15s anymore. Love craft beer. So, decide we're going to retire in Mountain Home. It's like Mountain Home doesn't have a brewery. There's the craft beer is huge in Idaho. As you guys know, being up here in Idaho, there's plenty to choose from. But, but down there where we're at in Elmore County in Mountain Home, there's nothing. There's nothing, no craft beer down there. We got a few craft beer uh, available on taps, a couple of the bars, but that wasn't available. So we we just thought it was an untapped market. We're just gonna try to fill that niche. Um, and you know, for those who uh, might not, if you're outside of Idaho, you probably have no idea where Mountain Home is or what it uh, what it signifies. Uh, Mountain Home is about is a Town situated roughly in the middle of nowhere in south, <laughs> it's about central South Idaho, but it's most notably uh, the home of the Mountain Horse Mountain Mountain Home Air Force Base, which is actually a fairly large military. About Forty minutes away from Boise. Yes, yeah, it's, it's a, actually a fairly large military installation, uh, and, and and the uh, the Air Force is you know the reason I believe the town is there. Um, <laughs> the I, only reason besides the brewery now. I mean, there's otherwise there's nothing in Mountain Home besides you know now a brewery. Um, I guess uh, you know um, how, what's it like um, building a craft beer brewery in a town like Mountain Home. Yeah, I mean you got the you, you've got the military uh, uh, right there, but also it's rural Idaho. Yeah, it, it is rural Idaho, so you have to pay attention to the drinkers that we have out there. Obviously, it's it's an agriculture area, so we have a lot of a mass uh, domestic lager drinkers in the area. So if I have one of those guys come in there, and if I don't have something that appeals to their palate. If I give them a double IPA, they're never going to come back in there. So we came out with our Gunfighter Blonde, which is just an easy Idaho all malt, Idaho hops, really easy drinking blonde ale. And that's our transition beer to get these domestic lager drinkers into craft beer. Nice. Um, before we get a little too far in, uh, Jeff, you want to give us a little background on kind of what got you into beer and... Uh, why you decided to open a craft brewery? Yeah, I'll definitely give it a shot. So, love craft beer. I mean, military mechanics, we drink a lot. Some people think we're functioning alcoholics, which I can't confirm nor deny that. We drink a lot of beer. Same. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you just got your ticket today for drink taking too long to finish your beer. Oh, fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> That's what really a parking ticket is, yes. Yeah, anyway, moving on. So, yeah, it was... Love the craft beer, and then actually my mother-in-law bought me a Mr. Beer craft beer kit back probably 2004-ish, maybe, okay. somewhere in that realm. So I was like, oh, this is awesome. Let me make some, make some craft beer of my own. It tasted like shit. <laughs> oh, my God. Been it there. was horrible. So, yeah, it was just a learning experience, you know, going from there to make craft beer, how easy it was. Just fascinated with the fermentation process, sanitation. Moved, evolved to there, home brewing, you know, doing extract, doing the boilovers on the stove, making the wife pissed off because it's <laughs> ruined the oven. Yep, been there, done that. I think many of us have. Never did that. Went straight to a burner. <laughs> well, you I've, were smarter one, smarter than I was. I've, I, but I had a beer about sh- blow the airlock off in the closet after the wife did a fresh load of laundry. Oh, that's yeah. So. Almost he, had a divorce he's there. Straight across the, spe- the ceiling. If you look up at the ceiling in yeah. here in the office, mine there see. was one hole left that saved it. And she goes, "It sounds like someone's trying to open a soda real slow in our closet." 
And I was like, here's a blow-off tube. <laughs> yeah, it, learning curves. I mean, you figure that all out. Yeah, so then progressed there to all-grain brewing. Uh, there, was a, there was a quite a few of us that home-brewed there in Mountain Home. We had a good group of us, and we all kind of were doing extract. I think I was a, one of the first ones to go all-grain. Okay. So kind of figure that out. I mean, YouTube is amazing. I don't know what it was like for guys before my era trying to figure this stuff out, but YouTube, everything is available there. So just kind of <laughs> figure that out from there. We did the homebrew club there for a while. And then last couple of years of my military career, I was like, i got to figure out my next my next transition. Nothing to do with aircraft maintenance. I was ready to move on. Loved craft beer. Loved Idaho. Loved the area. We moved here in 2006. Fell in love with it. Bought a retirement home that we are going to retire in there in Mountain Home. And then, you know, I was like, you know what? Let's just open a brewery here in Mountain Home. It was just, there was nothing there. So we just jumped in full foot before the school pandemic came out, which is unforeseen for everybody. You didn't know what was going to happen, didn't know what was coming. But I was going to say, what about about uh, what time did you, uh, and what, you know, what uh, if a certain event did trigger it, we were, we went from being a home brewer to going, I'm going to make this a business and, and start uh, and start actually moving on that process. About when did that happen? Honestly, it, it was wasn't even my idea. I didn't I didn't want to do it. I thought it was, as a hobby, it was something fun to do. But then, if I was going to make it a career, it wouldn't be fun anymore. So I didn't want to do it. Correct. Fair enough. <laughs> but my my wife, she stood behind me. And she says like, "Go for it." My mother, my mother in law, like, uh, "You make great beer. Just do it. Do it. Do it." So I was apprehensive. Didn't want to. Still wasn't con- uh, fully sold on it. And then that last, my last deployment, we were in a south, uh, undisclosed location in Southwest Asia, and I decided, you know what, we're going to do this. So I started drafting up a business plan, working on the numbers, doing research. And at the time, military had a program, SkillBridge, that came out there. So then at that time, so SkillBridge basically lets somebody that's in the military getting ready to get out in their last few months, they can go out and basically do an internship. So I was like, yeah, let's, let's look into this, doing an internship at a brewery in the Boise area. Luckily, uh, I found one. <laughs> County Line, Tyler might be a little familiar with that one. Yep. So luckily, I found this website, uh, probrewer.com, and had uh, found someone selling a seven-barrel used uh, <laughs> system on there. And I was like, oh, Garden City, Idaho. Where the hell is this at? So found out it was a county line. We had just sold our rental house in town, so we had the cash. So went up there, bought the used system, and sat in storage for two years until I could find a location. But then towards that end of my military career, I decided, like I said, that skill bridge program, and went up there to county line. And then Matt Bryant, the brewer there at the time, excellent dude, and he just kind of showed me how to step up my game from home brewing to commercial. Just as far as sanitizing grain bills and I'll stuff say, like give, that. Uh, give, give us a little bit of because I I think um, especially when people are are home brewing, um, it's uh, it's oh it's easy to scale up. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. What, I mean, I mean, without going in, I mean, without diving into the, the complexity. In. What are like the give me like two or three things that you went into this that the, you like like that, three the, bullet points of biggest differences between home brewing and commercial brewing. 
Obviously, if you, if you if you fuck up a homebrew batch, you're only out of you're only out like fifty bucks and it's down the drain. You're not out of anything. If if you screw up on a commercial a commercial scale, that's thousands of dollars. It's out of your pocket. You don't want to do that. Sanitation is, I think it's much easier with the chemicals available for commercial brewers. I think sanitation is much easier, and then the cleaning is much easier with the chemicals and the pumps, and it's a little more automated. Um, the biggest deal is temperature control and consistency is much easier on a commercial scale. I don't know of any home brewers that have a glycol controlled <laughs> fermentation tank in their house. They exist. Um, uh, I think some of the fancy they're expensive. <laughs> so they're, they're, I've seen a couple of uh, fancy new uh, uh, fermenters, little little five gallon conical fermenters that come the with the spike in SS Brewtech. Well, and even like I forget what the name of the company is, but yeah, I mean they they do have like little glycol chillers, and they're and they're quite adorable. They, they, they are. <laughs> it's just it's not feasible, I think, for most people. But I think that was, that I mean, for me was a huge. The the good old chest freezer works well enough for my purposes, but it does. <laughs> but then again, you're just not. It, the consistency and the temperature control, I think, is the biggest. Yeah, yeah. The biggest difference. Anything? I mean, anything about it that's harder? Um, well, or does everything just get get a little bit easier when you get to scale? Well, it's exponentially harder as far as grain handling on my level because we we are a homebrew system on steroids. It is. I'm moving that 600 pounds of malt up over my shoulder into the grain mill into a tote, moving in the in the mash tun. So that is even on the new equipment you got. I'm still, yeah, still doing it. I don't have an auger system yet. So for those of you that don't know, uh, I used to work at the company uh, Jeff interned at, and I used to be with when it was the old equipment. So when I saw that go over, I was like, oh man, I pray for Jeff's back. And then saw Jeff come in when we had got some new equipment, and then uh, when he had opened. You about a year in, you got some new equipment. Yep, got some new equipment. We just we've done I think we like our sixth or seventh beer on the new equipment. So nice. Still figuring it out as far as the intricacies of the new equipment, efficiencies. Any of these brewed on the new system or two of them actually? The Lazy Dog and the Ollie Brown, the two that we I brought over tonight. Two nice. out of three are Mastiff, the one we're drinking currently. The Belgian Triple is the last one we brewed on the, the Milk Take. Uh, yep. Last so it was an old dairy tank that I, was converted I, to a mash tun. I do remember seeing that at County Line, and it was adorable then, and I'm glad it found a good home. <laughs> it did, and it's been repurposed again. So now it's at another brewery, a smaller brewery down in Buell right now. Oh, nice. Did Magic Valley finally? Magic Valley did get it. So ah, shout out to Rich them. and uh, those guys down there. I'm, I'm, I'm so happy. I mean, you know, nothing against the, the, uh, them or their system, but I mean, you want you talk you call, you refer to your uh, uh, as a homebrew home home on steroids. Theirs is maybe a there was uh, was they as a homebrewing home just yeah. three times a day. <laughs> I say it really wasn't even on steroids. Maybe a little bit of coffee. Yeah, lots, <laughs> lots, lots, lots of rivets. Oh, they, I, I, I gotta say, they do pretty good for what they have to deal with. So, um, but uh, anywho, um, so as you're approaching, um, you know, the, the, as you're approaching getting your stuff together to open a business, um, um, uh, about you know the timeline about 2020. Um, give me kind of what was what was running down there. Um, and then uh, what was happening around uh, April and May for you around that time? Okay, I'll, I'll back up just a okay. little bit prior to that. So retired in 2019, and that's where we kind of pulled the trigger. So it was a few months of trying to find a location. 
nailed down the perfect location in November of 2019. And then another thing, another obstacle I did not foresee was the SBA. So went through the small business, a small business administration to get a loan to get this going. And there is a metric shit ton of paperwork you need to do for an SBA to SBA, be financed. SBA is through the bill is a is small business administration. Business. Okay. So. They are they are superb. They are great. I wouldn't be in business without these guys. But it requires a metric fuck ton of paperwork. A lot yes. of red tape. Oh, so you imagine buying, buying your house it takes like thirty days to get all the stuff. It took six months for them to get it, oh, all every piece of paperwork, every documentation, fuck. all the finance stuff. I mean, and this is on top of the paperwork that uh, that you normally have to file for. With the state, the county, state, the city, federal, exactly. So yeah, we took that in November. So found the location, uh, made the offer on the property, and it took six months for SBA to prove everything for my loan. Mm-hmm. Well, by that time, obviously November was pre-COVID, or they had just the, the most inkling of COVID coming on, which no one knew what was going to happen. By that the was time, around, we'll say it was about December when I, be- I believe we... We did the joke episode, yeah. Well, that was actually, we did, uh, December was the first came out, and then in January or February, we did the episode about about the two women that had, uh, that were so hungover. <laughs> they had COVID-like <laughs> symptoms and got detained. <laughs> yeah. And we're like, oh, that's funny. Isn't that funny, this COVID? And then I went to New Orleans, and then I came <laughs> back and super spreaded everything. And- <laughs> basically, I'm th- saying that, yeah, uh, Tyler is the, basically single-handedly uh, caused the pandemic. Yeah, in so. Idaho. Thanks, Tyler. We appreciate you. I was gonna no say, problem, the, buddy. I was gonna say in the United States. I'm, I don't know what he's getting down to in New it, Orleans. It, if uh, <laughs> if you told me before I went, I'd be the reason Idaho gets COVID. Hundred percent would do it again without a second thought. I'd be I, like, send it. I'm well, you know that, that's why you got a parking ticket today. I'm pretty sure if you like, you know what? Really it's tra- worth it. <laughs> if you really track down genetic variations, at least one of the variants is solely res- is, could be the Tyler variant. <laughs> <Count a tea. laughs> I'll take the Omicron variant. But so anyway, uh, so anyway, we're in November. Uh, so it's it's not quite, not quite, not quite full steam. So November, I wasn't really honestly, I was not worried about. No, there was no at, reason at all, to. Not at all. It was by the time we closed. I think it was March. The loans, everything was approved. So going out, getting a general contractor to rehab the building and everything. Well, obviously, that was easy to do at that point because there wasn't a lot of maintenance stuff going on. Everybody was kind of staying in their homes at that time for the for the global pandemic. So finding a contractor wasn't hard to do. But as, as it progressed, uh, it, was, it seemed to be even harder to get the subcontractors to find simple things as far as, obviously, the building I'm in right now was built in 1952 or 58, I believe it was. I, I forget right now. All new electrical, all new plumbing, all new HVAC. So global pandemics on there. Guess what? You can't find circuit breakers. Circuit breakers. My electrician could not finish the job because he could not find oh. fucking circuit breakers. I mean, it's just one of the many random things I'm I'm finding that that just disappeared. Yeah, you, you don't think about it, and then well, it's like it was like CO two um, that we yep. around the same time because apparently it was tied to the production of ethanol, and. When everybody stopped driving, they stopped making ethanol and CO two production went down. So uh, almost a little micro shortage of uh, CO two there for a while, which I know I had a lot of uh, breweries scared. Yes, uh, I mean, I feel no brewery kind of expected COVID, but 
Because when did you officially open in 2020? So it's, it's kind of weird. Like I said, we started, found the property in November. I did not get everything done, open permits until October 16th of 2020. Okay. So at that point, uh, we kind of seen the, the initial surge of the global mm-hmm. pandemic, coronavirus. They started kind of going downhill a little bit. I think even at that time, I think Boise, I think was still requiring masks. Yeah, if I remember correctly. Um, in October, yes, they still. Uh, yeah, they still were. But it was we were kind of we we, we thought we were on the down. Yes, they were because I got married in Canyon County in October and we didn't have to have masks. Yeah, and I was and I yeah. and I was very much locked down because of the baby. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, that's where we're at. So yeah, opened up in October. So I thought we we're kind of on the downswing of things, but I mean. Obviously, someone it's it's anything to do with breweries or in a brewery, you know that you, cleanliness, cleanliness, cleanliness. Yes. I think, to me, I think Tyler, you may have a different perspective on this, but I think being a brewer or anything to do with brewery, I think seventy five percent of what you do is cleaning. Oh, hundred percent. That's why I don't want to actually be a brewer. Well, you tell me that now. Thanks, Tyler. Yeah. No. No. It's. I, I told you that when we were on the bottling line together. Yeah. It was <laughs> I was like, are you sure you want to be doing this? Yeah, why not? What the hell? <laughs> but I guess I guess the segue to that is cleaning and wiping down everything wasn't really that absurd to me. I mean, I yeah. When it, before I when I was in high school as a younger kid, I worked in food production, man, like a retirement home and stuff like that, kitchen. So as far as wiping everything down, cleanliness wasn't that wasn't a big surprise to me. And then it just kind of translated over to, oh, coronavirus, mass, wipe everything down, super, super worried about stuff like that, which for a brewer, I don't think was really that big of a difference. I really don't think it was. It was just, to me, I think cleanliness is very important. I mm. want people to come in and see a clean, clean environment. So I don't feel it was that much of a, of a, really a deterrent. My only thing was, okay, so how can I separate people? You know, social distancing, six feet, etc. So people feel safe coming in there, but yet I can still have enough people in there where I can make money and pay the bills. Mm-hmm. So, so would you say that would be probably the most difficult part of opening during the pandemic? I or? think so. I think that would probably be the, the biggest challenge for me, I feel, was just making it so you could have enough people in my place of business to pay the bills and have a fun place, but still, yet people still felt safe. Not like someone's breathing down their shoulder or some of the clubs or, you know, pre-COVID where you're, you're stacked behind a bar 10 deep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, were you, uh, you know, as you're pre- preparing to open and still getting paperwork and stuff and, you know, you have, you've got contractors working April, May, June. Um, what were your thoughts, you know, looking to the future um, as all that was happening, you know, at the height of that, you know. Was there any thoughts of, oh, shit, I picked the, the worst bloody time to pull this off? or Honestly, not at all. That, that thought never, ever crossed my mind. I never thought this was a stupid idea. What am I getting myself into? I honestly thought, let's just work through everything, work through all this. We'll follow the protocols. We'll follow the CDC guidelines. We'll do everything we can, and we'll make it work. And that's what we did. I mean... We, we made it work, and I I thought it would kind of blow over a little bit quicker than it has. It's We've had a couple resurgence with some different variants of the virus, but all in all, I think cleanliness, cleanliness, cleanliness. Nice. Uh, did you have any pushback once, like, the initial pandemic started from the SBA or any lenders like that? 
I, I don't feel, I think I was in there early enough before the, like I said, we started this in like November before it was really huge. I don't think the lenders were so pervy to all the information out there at the time. So they weren't super gun shy. We had a couple lenders that were very eager. A couple were like, eh, I don't know. Mountain Home, Brewery. They just kind of threw it together as a bar. But mm -hmm. as anybody in the, in the craft beer industry knows, a brewery is not a bar. It's a whole yep. different clientele. And, I mean, we've had Chris on from Gem State Brewing who ran into some issues trying still, to get financing. Still running into issues. Uh, <laughs> uh, it, I actually at, got to talk to him recently, but, yeah, um, we, so, have to, we have to have him back. We'll have to have him back, but I had some issues running into financing when the pandemic kind of hit. So I was curious to see if you had ran into any issues because... From what he had said, they threw they kind of lumped him in as a restaurant, and so they're like, "We're not loaning to any restaurants." Yeah, right and now. then fortunately, when uh, when I was in this was in the early stages of this. Like I said, we started in November, so it was kind of before the whole world shut down. So by that point, I already had four banks that were interested in the business, interested in my business plan. So I met with four different uh, lending institutions, and then I actually got to pick take my pick from them. Two of them were spectacular. Two were less than uh, stellar for what I was looking at. But they, it was before all this, so we didn't Sorry. really lumped into restaurants being shut down. This was before all the shutdowns. So I was, honestly, I, think I was fully funded with SBA loan before they were doing any of the restrictions. Okay, California, no indoor anything. It's Oregon, dining no here. indoor yeah. dining. So I had just beat that punchline. Okay. Um uh, quick question kind of from me. So, Jeremy and I have jumped to the next beer. The Lazy Dog. So, the Lazy Dog, funny story about this. This was supposed to be my IPA. But okay. this was, the I think, the second beer that we brewed on my new system. Okay. And we were still figuring out efficiencies and temperatures on that one. I think we got, that can we got get a lot difficult. of dialed in. Yeah. So, yeah. Obviously, you saw the old system we brewed on, that old dairy tank. Dude. Pretty straightforward is in there. But this And the efficiencies are going to be yeah. way different compared to Just the as more far as modern. The temp. Yeah. So, and that, and that old mash tun, that old dairy tank, all 100% of that water is touching the grain, getting it mm -hmm. hot. Yep. So, in the new system, I have 42 gallons of dead space in the mash tun. Uh, totally did not figure that in there. So this was supposed to be my IPA. Way under shot. Oh yeah, so way under, way under, way under shot temp. So it was really light, lighter about than we wanted to. Did not get the efficiency we wanted to. So at that point, when we're transferring the boil kettle, uh, the gravity was not going to be a big enough beer to make it an IPA in my eyes. It's still five point eight percent, which is fine for a lot of people, but in my eyes, it's not an, an IPA. Honestly, this is what I wanted a session IPA to be. Is it a back in the day? Like, I wanted it to like it has that full aroma and I mean, flavor a, of an IPA. It's got a very grassy, like light lemony. enough that I feel I can drink six of these in a night at my house. Absolutely, and that's where this one's at. Five point eight percent. Our our normal IPA is at seven percent, so it's the same grain bill. We just missed the efficiency on it. So at that point, I knew I already missed the missed the mark on that one. So we just changed the dry hopping on it. Okay. So instead of doing a cascade for a, which I think is a kind of a typical Northwestern mm -hmm. IPA, we did a Citra and Eldorado. That's why it takes. I'm going that like Eldorado said, really kind of throws people. 
Well, yeah. well, and I actually, well, I the, get the Eldorado on the nose. I, well, it's actually more the it's actually more the cascade. So I'm like sitting there going, "There's something about this that's almost like a like a, uh, a, a nostalgic." Mm. And I think it's the floral notes of the cascade. I mean, I get like the we we did the cascade in the boil, but this one was actually dry hopped with the citra and the okay citra and Eldorado. So it gets a little different. So this, I believe, it has a, a different flavor profile than our IPA. Dry hop differently, different uh, schedule on there, and it was just a happy yeah. folly. We'll call it that. <laughs> you got to have them. That's how you yeah. mean. I mean, um, it's nice. If I say grassy, like uh, citrusy, um, it, it's nice balanced bitterness, though. Like I said, it's what I would have wanted out of that old school session IPA, where you get that hop flavor. You still get that full hot flavor, but it's a lower alcohol. Yeah, you get all that bitterness up front. I think this one's about 68 IBUs. I think our, okay. I, our, our typical I, uh, IPA is 70. This one's about 68. And then, yeah, different dry hopping schedule, a little lower uh, ABV. Much more where you can, like Tyler, like you said, you can have like six of these at the house and not stumble to the bathroom. <laughs> So let me. We we sort of kind of hit on this before you rightly went. We cycled back and um, and uh, we, you know went into more of the origin story. Um, got started. Um, you know, I, I sometimes you know when I when I dare venture out of Boise, which is <laughs> not as often as I should, um, but I, I I often it's often uh, I have to remind myself. Oh yeah, the rest a lot of the state is not as. You go to a lot of parts in the state, and it's like you said, it's still domestic lager territory. You go to exactly. a lot of you go to lo- you go to a lot of bars. You kind of look, you kind of look, go, uh, what kind of beers do you have? They go, we got both kinds, Bud and Bud Light. Yeah, <laughs> um, fancy. What, we have Coors Light. <laughs> oh shit! Uh, diggity damn! But um, I guess I, I want to, you know, you've you've obviously spent some time here, and you've spent some time in the craft beer industry, um, opening a, a a brewery in Mountain Home. You know, well, first of all, I mean, Mountain Home, I think, is a little bit unique because the the base is right there. So it's exactly. So we have some people that are pretty well traveled. Yeah, you know, some senior military. So I guess my question is, is uh, you know, what's it like, like you know, education wise? Is that still a a thing that you have to do a lot there? Kind of like old school craft, you know, like the old school craft beer, or you find people are are kind of know what you are and what you're about. I think I think it's a, I think it's a it's I think it's a really good blended mix. We I would say probably half people come in there have a good idea. If I say, hey, you know what, Mastiff, it's a it's a Belgian triple. They know what I'm talking about, and that's half the crowd. The other half of the crowd is like. I like you lagers. Spoke English? <laughs> so you you you, you I like you, lager. Yeah, so that's a lager. You, yeah, it's an ale. You mispronounced triple. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so and that and that's I think it's almost 50-50. 50% of the people that understand and appreciate craft beer and the different styles and the, the flavors that we're going after. And the other half are just like, I like ales. What do you have that's an ale? Yeah, right. So and trying trying to be ignorant or an asshole, quite honestly, it depends on the night. Fair. <laughs> like, if I don't have a logger on, like it's all, all ales. <laughs> and then sometimes, like, do you understand the difference between an ale and a logger? Uh, ales are darker. Nope. No. So then it's just it's an education at that point. So I think I would. Honestly, I think I was a little offended at first, but then you just you got to realize where we're at, and it, it, 
you got to look at it. It's an education opportunity to educate the the general populace in the in the craft beer. I guess I I, I kind of a quick follow up question because it's not it's not so much a thing I run into uh, anymore. It's more something that you know is a lot more prominent even you know four or five years ago. But I guess how do you approach you know, uh, you know being able, you know, trying to talk to somebody about about this without coming off as an asshole. I mean, what's kind of your approach and to doing that? I think I feel I'm getting better at it. I know I think when I first started, I was probably a little more, you know, coming from the military where it was just a little different. <laughs> and now I'm more focused on customer service. As I say, there's there's the customer service in the in the military is. Non-existent. Abrupt, not, yeah. <laughs> I was going to say abrupt. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it, it's been a learning experience for myself. And then my assistant brewer, he also, he used 27 years active duty, retired, retired chief, great guy. And then, so it's just been a learning experience for us. I think at for, at, at the beginning, I think we almost took a little offense to it. But now we, we, we embrace it and we take the opportunity to, to educate the public. It's like, okay, this is what we're doing. This is what we're doing. This is how we do this. Try to educate them because people come in never been here what do you have so we just obviously ask them what do you normally like to drink what's your normal beer style or what do you like to go after we try to get them something as close as possible that's on our on our draft list at the time so that part is fun and and it's just it's i'm embracing it more i'm enjoying it more trying to get that out there yeah yeah i mean and it's i always found that a little bit you know how do you you know how do you try to you know uh, um um, you know, someone. I like what you said. Like, would you have any ales? I like ales. And how do you go? Well, like, well, what hey, kind of dumbass? They're all ales. <laughs> it's like you well, can't say that. I, here's here's my favorite line. Well, I like ales, but I don't like IPAs. Well, I know you're asking for an amber right now. That's <laughs> like, how do I politely tell you what What do you think IPA stands for? Or the what do you think the A is? Uh, or the people coming up and it's like, IPA is that dark? <laughs> Um, no. no. I, I haven't run into that one. Or, no. my favorite is, what's your lightest beer? And so I always respond, lightest in color or lightest in flavor? Or lightest in alcohol. The three choices mm-hmm. I give them. And they're like, oh, I didn't think. And I'm like, the lightest in flavor is going to be this. Lightest in color, I've got this. Lightest in alcohol, I've got this. And it may not always be the same one, but I'm like, what are you looking for? And that's what we try to ask when they come up the there. the best question. And then on the flip side of that, though, we've also had a lot of people come in there that just drink the mass domestic lagers. They come in there, and I get to have fun with them. They, or if I can talk them into having a flight, open up their eyes, and they try a couple different things. There's a couple of ladies that come in there, not beer drinkers, whatever, they come in there because we're having a special or something going on downtown. I introduced them to the Mastiff, the Belgian Triple, the first one we started with. Yeah, that was quite nice. Fell in love with it. Ladies came in there, they became craft beer drinkers. They came in there, all, they, all they're used to is the mass domestic lagers. We give them something with a little bit of flavor, something a little different than they haven't had before. Loved it. Nice. So that's still the, the the it doesn't happen again. It's 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 becoming rare around here that yeah I think most people here in Boise, either they're into craft beer and they're a customer or they're not. It's rarer to get somebody looking bleary eyed at the uh, at the menu going. Exactly, you guys are a different market up here, right? And, then and that's kind of why I was. What, what I, was I would also venture to ask because I know Mountain Home City Council for the longest time wanted a brewery. They hold, and actually. Out of the beer fest, 
a very well-received, like, one of the better beer fest. How were they in the whole process? Honestly, as far as the city and local government, exceptionally superb. It just, awesome. I cannot say enough about those guys. Uh, I'll give a shout-out to Courtney Lewis at the time. She was an economic develop uh, gal. She ran the office when I was start, first starting the, the brewery process. Hands down, one of the best city and civil employees I've ever worked with in my entire life. She was awesome. She introduced me to the, the, the owner of the building. I was able to purchase the building and move from there. Courtney, love you. You were awesome. The rest is, as far as the rest of the city, fantastic. The mayor down there, Mayor Sykes, he's a big craft beer fan. He used to be a craft beer brewer himself. Actually, that's where I met him. Oh, met him okay. years ago was craft brewing. So, we had, like I said, we had that small uh, craft brewing group there in Mountain Home. Uh, Mayor Sykes was a part of that at the time, and now he comes in there. He's a regular. He likes to support it. So, and I think I think he I think I think Mayor Sykes understands the importance of having a draw downtown. Yeah, give people a reason to get off the interstate between Boise and Twin Falls. Mm-hmm. And not trying to toot my own horn here, but I think before there was a brewery downtown, I think there was very little reason for people to get off the interstate and come downtown Mountain Home. To I'm, a generic bar. I mean, they're... I, I'm, I'm not going to do that. As, yeah. As somebody who's, you know, traveled that road quite a few times, uh, no, except for to pull off at that uh, at that uh, uh, love station and take a piss. Exactly. That, <laughs> that's all there was. And then now, I mean, since we opened Or to up, go to Sun Valley from there. Yeah, you make your left, go down Highway 20 and... That's the opposite direction, though. <laughs> but, but yes, correct. But we've had people travel, that travel, like... Old retired couples who travel uh, from like Emmett, they just like to hit up every brewery in the state. Mm-hmm. So it gave them a purpose, something to do on a Sunday afternoon. Something something I keep on saying every year that I'm going to do, and I still have not yet done. So. Well, it's on, my, it's, it's on my bucket list as well, Jeremy. It is. Well, there we go. Uh, uh, road trip, 2022. It makes it nice because I duck hunt out past Mountain Home. So I'm like, oh, blue pit's open. I'll stop in there on my way home. <laughs> It makes it nice to swing in, or coming back from Twin in a market visit, I'm like, I'll swing by Mountain Home, grab a beer at Blue Pit. And the best thing about it is, we don't have any meter maids. <laughs> there you go, see? I'm bringing it down! turn that a little bit. Thank you. Uh, so, Jeff, what's your favorite style of beer, and like, what's your favorite to brew? My favorite style is a is a Belgian triple. It really is. I don't know why I fell in love with it years ago, but it I just love that clove, the phenols in there. It just I, I love it. And then yeah, it's just it's it's an I wouldn't say it's an easy beer to brew because there's nothing to hide behind. There's no dark malt. There's mm-hmm. nothing that nothing to hide behind. You just gotta have clean practices, do good beer, and just ferment it right and let the yeast do its magic. Yeah. Um, I guess something I was thinking about um, as you're talking about, you know, both the the uh, um, the, the challenges of uh, you know getting a brewery open during COVID, and you know, uh, um, opening a brewery in Mountain Home specifically. What would be in your in your estimation? What's the hard? Which one of those two is the hardest part of this? Is opening it in Mountain Home or opening it during the time you did? Or was either of them really that really that uh, big of a challenge? I, I wouldn't say either one of them were uh, insurmountable, of course, but I would say the biggest challenge was, I would say, Mountain Home, the locale. I mean, a good portion of the population is supportive. They're, they're craft beer enthusiasm or enthusiasts. They like the craft beer. 
But now I get them on place and say I'm going to drive to Boise to find that. Mm -hmm. But then I, I still think 60, 70% of the people in Mountain Home, maybe even higher than that, maybe 80%, are just mass domestic lager drinkers. They don't know craft beer. So it's on me, it's on my shoulders to educate them in there. Find a reason to bring the, them in the brewery. You're in the frontiers of craft beer. You realize that. <laughs> and, and I like the challenge. I just I just got to find a way to bring them in the brewery so I can introduce them into craft beer. And find each person will come in, everybody's palate's different, and try to find a find a beer that I make that'll suit their palate in the craft beer. Um, I kind of want to zoom out at this point in time and, and talk, I mean, uh, and kind of transition to uh, how you see the, the industry um, as it is now and how it's evolving. Um, I mean, obviously, you know, the, the big question, uh, well, I'll, you know, the, in a lot of people's mind, especially as they're looking at breweries continuing to open is, you know, are we at a saturation point? I think we just hit 9,000 according to the Brewers Association you know, as of this year. Obviously, you still believe there's opportunity or I believe you wouldn't be opening a brewery. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, so I, I was, just kind of wanted to get your thoughts on that. I think the market is getting saturated, but I don't think we are. I don't think we're super saturated. I think... I think the market is evolving to it, it's going to be your neighborhood local place to go hang out. Like it was back in, you know, pre-prohibition, pre, pre it was people had their local place they go to have a drink, their local watering hole. And I think that's with the craft uh, craft beer out there and so many up here in Boise area, people aren't going to drive across town to get a beer that they like. They're going to find the local craft beer place. And I think... There's not one down Mountain Home. Well, there wasn't one before we opened, and now we're down there. I think that's where the market's going. I think it's going to be more centralized, like the Belgian style where you have your neighborhood pub. That's where it's going to be. It's, it's like this is my neighborhood. I can take my bike, ride my bike down the brewery, have a couple pints, ride my bike home, instead of just going to the store and buying a 12-pack of Bud Light. Fair enough. Um, and I guess, you know, where do you see that? You know, I, you know, I always... I, I you know I think that's I think a lot of people you know think the same as you do is that it, it, that the the industry is becoming like a hyper localized uh, phenomena, um, but at the same time I think it's running into opposition with the uh, you know the there's no good beer in Idaho crowd, um, and I can already see Tyler cringe. Those yeah those those people just don't. I don't know. I know we're getting into we're getting to controversial territory, but I mean, I mean, but my my question is, I mean, you know, there's obviously there's, I think know, I think I know where you're going with this. There, there's 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 a snobbishness there that I that you know I, I think we've both me and Tyler have long since disavowed. But I'm, I guess my question is, you know, how do you reconcile the 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 idea that you know that your local brewery may not be producing as good a stuff as like a Bell's or a Fremont or something? Yeah, I, I think I know where you're in going your with that. opinion. In your opinion, yeah, everybody's gonna, everybody. Everybody's palate's gonna be different, and I, I will. And obviously, you guys have been there as well. Just because it's a craft place or a craft brewery doesn't mean it's good beer. I've been to many craft breweries and places that is just like, how are they selling this <laughs> shit? I think we've all. I, I think we talked about that with Andrew Dill out of Maryland, correct? And he ran into that. We've, I, I think issue on the East Coast. Just because it's craft doesn't mean it's good. I, I think mm -hmm. if you, I think if you've been in craft beer, you've run into that. You got you guys sell this on purpose, <laughs> and then at that point, it's just like, is is the are the were you are the shooting for that flavor? Or? Are the consumers that off on their palates, or is this the the only alternative they have to mass domestic loggers? 
Right. So at that point, I think I think it's a challenge to all the brewers and all and all the craft breweries here in Idaho. Is like, you know what? Step your game up. Well, and I'm and I vehemently disagree with the uh, the there's no good beer in Idaho crowd because I there mean, are some excellent beers here in Idaho. You know, first of all that, and second of all, I mean, you know, there's. I, you know, the the, the 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 comparison they usually have is something with a, a shit ton of hype, and I don't. And, and my biggest knock has always been they're comparing a specialty one-off release to a core beer of a local place. I'm like, let's compare specialty to specialty or core to core, and most of the time you're going to be a lot closer. I don't, than I'm, you think, and I'm also. I mean, and, and you know the the. Are the, there some bad beers in Idaho? Yes, I will not disregard the, that. Well, and where and where people usually where this where this discussion usually comes in is you got you know there's no one producing like the hazy IPAs that you know they're producing in New England, you know New England or, or even Revision or such and such. Um, and but I I feel like Revision's even dropped off. Well, I mean two things. I well I guess I I guess it's a good question. Um, you know, I, um, IPAs Idaho. I mean I've always kind of thought eh, there's a couple of breweries that do IPAs exceptionally well. Uh, I mean, what are your thoughts? You know, on on that. So IPAs obviously um, last I, I haven't looked. Obviously, I've been looking at the numbers since before I opened. But when I was doing my numbers, IPAs were 36 percent of the craft beer market. I'm surprised it's that low. <laughs> well, and, th- and this was like 2018. I think I was doing my numbers on Fair. it. Is th- is cr- IPAs were 36% of the craft beer market. So just because a brewery makes something and calls it an IPA, in my eyes, it's not necessarily an IPA. I might be convoluted or just a purist on it, but I think an IPA needs to be above 7%. You got to have the bitterness. You need to have Interesting. the hops. You, you think it needs to be up that high? For, I'd call and, it above 6 well, and just difference opinion. I, I, 100%. Because a lot of people don't understand what an IPA is. India Pale Ale. Why is it called India Pale Ale? Oh, it's because the British had to make a beer to pay to their soldiers to down in India. Well, alcohol is a preservative. Hops is a preservative. So they had to make it stronger and more bitter. Oh, and I was, and, and actually something I found out that uh, when I was reading the... I forget what the author's name, but the literally the book on IPA. Um, it's what was he, it Michael Jackson? It wasn't Michael Jackson, um, but uh, he when he when he talked about when he, when he talked about where the I, the idea of IPA came from, it was uh, beer for the uh, India uh, market. And when you realize when they said India market, that means the Indies, and that meant the East Indies and the West Indies, and the West Indies was Caribbean, Florida. So really, if you think about it, IPA is one of the first American styles. Exactly. I was just kind of, I, I always hit upon that going, well, you know, if you really think about what they were making. Um, and so it is. You got it. Yeah, it is truly a, an American, it's truly like maybe the first American style. But that's neither here nor there. Um, but, um, you know, uh, going back to where we kind of uh, went on to this, you know, you, you got people going, well, no one makes these hazy IPAs like they do here. But I do think if you do like a, like a blind taste test. There are some that are, are are doing that. Absolutely, I think I think I think every brewer is going to kind of have his kind of style or profile he likes to gravitate gravitate towards. Uh, I mean, us at uh, Blue Pit Brewing, more of a lighter body, drier finish kind of a style. And that's I, I mean, I'm assuming that's kind of what your clientele so far has responded to. Or Absolutely. that's like you. And that, and we brew to our palate. So me and my assistant brewer, Gunny, we, we brew to our palate. We like the lot, lighter body, drier finished beers. 
So we just kind of go towards that, and then we just okay. So what what is the what does the market want? What are, what do my customers want? But it also explains why the first beer we tried tonight was a Belgian Trappel. Exactly. Which is going to be that lighter body, drier finish. Well, I guess I, I, there's my question for you. What you know when you, what was your beer menu when you started? And what is it now? And what I mean, is it the same, or is it changed radically? So we've had. So we got when we first opened, we had five beers. Okay. And I kind of planned those being our, our core beers. Um, unfortunately, the market down there, the pale ale that I had going on, mm-hmm. just it just was not. People either wanted the Gunfighter Blonde, which is your, ent- your transition beer to craft beer, right. or they wanted an IPA. They don't want something there in the middle. Pale has largely fallen into that. I mean, it's kind of the microcosm for the exactly. death of pale ale, which I think is mm-hmm. such a sad thing. And uh, for me, when I go to a brewery, if they don't have a, a Belgian, I I'm going pale to pale ale. Yeah. And so I thought that would be, that was a misstep on my part. I thought that I thought that would market would be there for us. It has, the pale ale has been our worst moving beer. Really? So I mean, have you so have you discontinued that, or is it still there? Or? So actually, we replaced. Uh, we had, we actually had five core beers on tap, and our pale we've replaced with the triple now. Oh, nice! So I we mean, got the mastiff on there in, in place of our pale. And I and I find that interesting that a a Belgian style triple um, will has reached, move a pale well, in that well, market. Will have reached an audience, and I mean, I guess I mean yeah, that's an that's an interesting quirk of that market. Uh, do you attribute that to anything, or just kind of like I don't know? But I attribute it to argue. people not um, not familiar with the style, and they try it, and then they find out how great the, the style actually is. And on the flip side of that coin, I think the other half of that is military. They've been through there. They've been overseas. They've been to Belgium. Mm. They've been to Germany. They, they've tried different beers, and they That's appreciate a- it. I guess that's an interesting. Uh, uh, you 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 get people who've uh, uh, a dichotomy. I almost wouldn't have thought of. I, I guess I get, get this question. Yeah, yeah. Um, you you get people that have been to Belgium. Um, they try your Trippel. What's their what's their review compared to what they what they have? You know, in the land of the Trappel. And honestly, I've not been to Belgium yet. I that's on my plan. Nor we're, have I. We're planning on next next year, hopefully. Um, people tell me it's just as good. That's a, that's what high, they remember down there. That's high praise. Uh, we actually got <laughs> gotten into the uh, uh, last beer you brought. Um, tell us a little bit about this one. So this was my assistant brewer. His, his dog. We're obviously we're dog themed. His uh his little dog. His name is Ollie. So we're kind of looking for like an English nut brown kind of style. And then quirky fact: first time my assistant brewer brewed this, I was kind of letting him do it on his own. Let him put the recipe together. I was out helping somebody in the front and come back, and he's like. Jeff, Jeff, I can't get the temp, can't get the temp, I'm having problems. Well, he didn't drain the preheat water oh. for the mash tun, so this was a very, very light-bodied beer, and right. it was just another one of those happy mistakes where he's like, you know what, that's... It's not bad. That'll work. Now you just have to figure out how to do that again. Exactly. <laughs> so, I mean... Yeah, so he that's the only problem with that's only that's the only problem with getting a good beer by mistake. You gotta go shit. Aspaganitas. <laughs> now I gotta figure out how to do that. <laughs> Honestly, out of all of these, though, I think this one is my favorite. This one is a a very good one, and we're actually since when we first opened up, we only had five taps. Okay. Or we had eight taps available. We only had five beers on there. Now we're up to ten. Okay. And I think we're going to keep this one as a staple. It's just it's a really good session at 4.3%. I like, um, I mean, uh, it's a, a brown ale is another one of those styles that's 
slowly kind of fading away. Exactly. That I and I I I, I, I kind of like. Oddly like, enough, though, the brewery I work for now, our biggest gain this year was in our amber ale. That doesn't actually surprise me because I've seen a resurgence. So I in can amber. almost see a resurgence in a no, style like I've this. I've had probably like ten to fifteen percent of the new people that come in and haven't been here before. What do you have for an amber? amber. And well, that's what and I'm looking for, and then and you know, and as I you know, um, I finally got through the book uh, that Tyler loaned me. The uh, um, oh, you finished it. I finally finished it. Yeah. We need to do a book review on that. Uh, that will be coming up uh, next year, um, <laughs> <laughs> if I remember. But I mean, a lot of you know, a lot of craft beer was built on the amber. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, because it was the first. It was the first. You know, it was it was approachable, slightly sweet, um, different, different. Um, Different color, different, yes. You know, and so it was like you, you see with your you you taste with your eyes first. And this one, I think, has got a, the red. It's a little toffee-ish. You got a little bit in there, but it's super light-bodied. And again, it's still, I mean, it may not be. It's not a hundred percent true to style. I think an actual English nut brown had a little more body to it. But me and my assistant brewer, we just really like the light-bodied. Profile. I was gonna say I think the reason I really gravitate towards this is the lighter body, get a hint of that roast at the end, a little toffee, a little toffee, a little caramel, and and but mm-hmm. still that very crisp finish. That was quite. I get a little bit of, and I get a little bit like light fruit on it. I mean, it's a good flavorful brown ale, which I appreciate because there's a, also I you know to be honest, brown ale is also a style that is often like. Yeah, that's that. That's a brown. Yeah, it's, it's generic. It's, it's good, slightly roasty, mm-hmm. um, kind of clean. You know, it kind of. It's one of those. You take a drink, you start searching for adjectives. It's like nutty, roasty, brown, brown. <laughs> uh, this is good. I mean, it's got it's it's highly drinkable, but uh, you know, got a little complexity. So this is yeah, nice. and it's just. I, and I think any brewer that is going to be worth anything, they just got to have balance in their beers. You you don't want something to just Slapping the face, hoppy or bitter or just too sweet. It's just it's all about balance. It's like cooking. You can't have too much salt. Need a little bit of pepper. Um, so let me ask you this: uh, um, uh, We're kind of we've gone through the past, the present. Um, you know, I, I guess my next question is: You know, over the past year, if you could go back in time and you know tell yourself, you know, go back to your find yourself on opening day. What would you what would you tell yourself about the last year you've gone through? Boy, you were stupid. <laughs> <laughs> get out of this. No, no, no. It, it just, if I was to look back in my future self advice, it'd just be pay attention to the smaller details. I mean, some of the things that I I perceived but just didn't pay enough attention to. What example? Uh, just the way the market's going is like, and, and then and then. I've had, obviously, any brewers had to throw a couple batches of beer out, yeah. and it's just like something you can perceive early on or something I knew I should have taken care of, and it just, I was like, ah, maybe that'll work, and just it didn't work out that way. Um, embrace the public. Um, try to have an ear out there, see what they want. I mean, because obviously, they're your customers. They're, they're the ones paying your bills. It's always, I think it's I think it's a big struggle. Well, not a struggle, but it's it, there's this, like, this... You, you you have to like weigh the two things like what do the people who come to the brewery want, but also what do I want? What kind of, what what do I brew that'll make me you know, happy feel good about because what I'm doing? honestly the customer is not always right. It may not be right. a, a popular term, but the customer is right. not always right. 
<laughs> and it's just it's just what it is. So we it, it's it's on me and my team to teach the public. These 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 are certain beer styles. Use the guidelines. This is what we're trying to fill. And then if you have any input, if you like this, if you don't like this, just let us know. And if you don't like a beer, tell me why. Mm-hmm. If you like a beer, tell me why. If it's just you don't like that taste compared to something. Well, just like anybody else in the craft in the craft beer industry, you understand, well, I don't like dark beer. I don't like dark beer. Well, what don't you like it about dark beer? I don't know. I just don't like dark beer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, here, try this. Oh, I like that. That's pretty good. Mm-hmm. You understand that's a, that's a black beer, right? Yeah. It's dark as you can get. Yeah, but I'd like this one. <laughs> uh, I guess to kind of follow up with that, where can the average consumer who's listening expect to see Blue Pit in the next year or two? Uh, next year or two, I think we're gonna, we're going to still remain focused in-house, try to just make it as perfect as possible. I mean, we'll never get perfect, but I'm going to try to achieve that as best I can. Make the best beer we can, make the best environment we can, uh, live music, stuff like that. Just going to focus there, and then maybe a year or two after that, we'll start looking at uh, a little bit more distribution at that point in time. But at this point, I just want to focus on keeping the customers happy in-house, make the best beer we can, and then at, at, once we get everything perfected at that, because I've only been doing this a year. Right. <laughs> Honestly, this has only been a damn year. <laughs> so let me focus and, uh, on this. And by, and by the way, a weird year at that because yeah. it, it's it's hard. I a weird year at best. <laughs> I mean, I can't I can't imagine how it's uh, how it must be like to uh, to try to uh, you know build a uh, build sales a forecast sales forecast. It, it's next like to impossible because really you're is. like. Next year, especially with you're looking at supply chains and you know, it's su- supply chain goofiness, and you know, and you know, maybe variants are forcing more people indoors, or maybe it, you know, it, it kind of clears up. Everything opens. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, 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 correct me if I'm wrong, but I think Mountain Home is fairly well open. We are, and and, and that was probably a benefit to me compared to someone trying to open a, a craft brewery here in Mount or uh, Boise. I didn't have the same uh, limiting factors that a, a brewery would have up here. Ada County and Elmore County, different legislation, different rules in place. So the legislation and everything down there was very, uh, how do, what's the word I'm looking for? Very open to have me come in there, and they were very accommodating. Whatever yeah. I needed to have happen, let let them know, and they, they would do that. I think if a new brewery was trying to open here in the Boise market, they may have had a little more trouble than I did. Well, I mean, because you're also, you know, I mean, it's it's just a matter of uh, of you know the you know go downtown Boise. You can't anymore. You can't throw a rock without hitting a. Brewery. Get a twenty dollar fucking parking ticket. <laughs> you know, Mount. I mean, and and I and I think that's actually a very you know, like you said a very positive thing for a town like Mountain Home right off the interstate to have a place to. Oh wait, there's a nice little brewery down here that I know. You know, just exactly. And then honestly, I would people might people this might blow people's minds. I would love to have one. Maybe two more breweries down there. You think the market? You think the the mountain home market could support um, like I don't two additional think, breweries? I don't think you're going to make the money you will here in Boise for the breweries, but you're going to educate the public and you're going to make it a place for people to get off the interstate between Twin Falls and Boise. Yeah. Instead of just having one one brewery, eh, I don't feel like getting off the interstate. Two or three, yeah. Let's get off the interstate. Let's go have yeah. a couple beers. I could see that. That's gonna in, that's gonna positively influence the economy in downtown Mountain Home, and then Mountain Home is growing, and I think that's what we need. 
um, even going further out, I mean, you know, in your, you know, in best case scenario, where do you see Blue Pit five, ten years from now? Five, ten years from now, I would like to be have all the beers obviously honed to be in my eye perfection, but we'll never achieve that because I'm always be trying for something else. But I think uh, I'd like to have some more tap handles around and distribution. Yeah, and I think that's where we're going and try to increase our production by you know 100 200 percent we're very very small right now but i'd like to get some so people don't have to come to the brewery to try the beer i like to have the people in boise be able to try the beer currently we have one tap handle meridian and everything else is down there so i think she, I, I uh i saw good you down apple. at the down a good apple just good apple actually tap house. About, uh, exactly a mile away from my house exactly <laughs> actually uh, your amber ale was on there it's quite nice i just was down there a couple of days ago so yeah it, it's great uh stacy <coughs> from uh boise beer buddies was mm-hmm. awesome she bent over backwards putting it together with uh, us and rob and everybody at good apple so we did a little tap takeover down there. We brought four beers up there, very well received. And then he, at this point, he continues to have one of those beers on tap. So, and that's what I'm looking forward to as far as growth is just trying to outside my micro micro area, my micro climate, just trying to have some more beers available for other people to try. And then if they ever travel through the area, come in the tap room. Fair enough. I got my little set of like little uh, uh, quick questions. Unless you got a uh, got uh, someone else you want to go with this, Tyler. Fire away, Jeremy. seven times a day. All right, so these I just got <laughs> I got like a, a little list of questions I like to uh, ask uh, every brewery owner or brewer that uh, uh, I should I be nervous? I get yes, absolutely. Uh, no, Always. Just, I just I just like uh, 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 don't answer you know answer without thinking too much. Uh, first question: uh, best beer you've ever brewed. My first Mastiff. The really? Belgian Triple. I, I thought that was the best, perfect, nailed that East profile. Did it, I mean, did, you know, I mean, the, the what, what you brought today was, was quite good, but you think it's, there's something. I think the one I brought the, today was a little bit bigger than I wanted. I think, in my eyes, I think the, the Belgian Triple should be about 8.5%. This one's okay. a 9.5%, so we overshot okay. the efficiency a little bit on that so one. Was that, so was that, yeah, efficiency or attenuation? Yeah, it was an efficiency. Attenuation was both uh, within a couple points of the original one, and it was just I just like to dial it back a little bit. And but that first mastiff I brewed was, and my to my palate, the best beer I've brewed. Just just a method, just a matter of getting uh, uh getting your new equipment tamed. dialed in. Exactly. <laughs> you, know, you gotta you gotta tame that horse. Uh, worst beer you've ever brewed. Oh, worst brew? I don't know. People might not like this. I would say either the Hazy Dog I did, which was my first attempt at a, as a, at a New England IPA, a Hazy. That one was just operator air. I let that one sit in the yeast or on the, on the hops a little too long, and I think it developed a little too much of those grassy undertones. Mm-hmm. Uh, not a fan of that at all. Also, I feel a lot of people are willing to, like, bash hazy as the hazy is lazy but the fact of getting a true hazy to stay hazy is more complex than producing a world-class west coast ipa people don't understand I'll- and i will shit on hazies <laughs> any chance i can get but but to be able to keep that yeast and suspension to keep that hazy look to it and keep that that velvety mouthfeel that that people are accustomed to I missed the mark on this beer. I'll be the first to admit it. Next one will be better. This is the first time we, me and my assistant brewer ever tried it, and it was just 
I guess to a, my palate was the worst beer we've, we've brewed. I guess a quick side note. I mean, I mean, the, you know, you know, hazy IPA. You you obviously see some value in pursuing that. Uh, uh, um, you know, what do you think about that style, real quick? And you know, what what I mean, I guess I, I, first of all, it's such a weirdly ill-defined style. So you know, first of all, define it for me a little bit from your perspective. My perspective, okay, it's it's quite simple. My perspective, obviously, hazy appearance. Okay, and then I. Th- I feel it needs to have that velvety mouthfeel that you want, mm-hmm. almost like a like a like a nitro porter. You want that velvety mouth, that pillowy, if you will, mouthfeel from that the, the yeast that's still in suspension, the adjuncts you use, the the, the oats, the wheat. Some of you want that more mouthfeel, and then obviously you want you want the the hazy, you want the the bitterness and the and the hops, like a juice bomb, mm-hmm. grapefruit juice bomb. That's kind of what I'm thinking as a as a New England IPA or a hazy IPA. Um, and I mean, it's 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 worth pursuing for you. I mean, I I, I know there's a, a few brewers that were that were like, you know what, I'm it, it's a fad. I'm not even going to chase it. Um, but if, you, it, if but, it was a fad, we wouldn't be talking about it. This was years ago when it was a fad, but yet it's still here. Oh, I say I kind of I, I dig that attitude. Like, well, it's obviously not a fad, so we have to uh, leap on it. Okay, um, uh, fuck Mary kill. Uh, beer styles. Uh, if you're familiar with this game, um, you know, fuck the one you, you you like, you'd like to dally with, marry your favorite beer style, and kill your your, your least favorite one. Oh, I would kill domestic lagers. Very, a uh, very uh, uh, a obviously that's generic. Uh, yeah, yeah. A... <laughs> uh, which one would I like to? You know what? I think I'd like to fuck a hazy. That, from your description, that doesn't surprise me. I'm like, yeah, yeah that's vil- velvety mouthfeel. I think uh, mouth. <laughs> fucking yeah. Sorry, went a little twisted there, but. And then I would, I would marry the the triple. That that is that is me. Um, and your uh, uh, and your desert island beer. You can only drink you know one beer for here on out. What would that be? Oh, this is this is fat tire. Really, fat tire. Fat tire. Really, motherfucker? Yeah, I gotta do the fat tire. <laughs> like, so the funny part is Tyler uh, had to go, covertly go for a pee because he has a bladder of a of a, of a, <laughs> a three year old. <laughs> I've been drinking since noon, but it's I love parking ticket. But yeah, but but I love the fact he walked in the door and we had that, mo- that confessional moment, <laughs> and you're like fat tire. <laughs> I mean, I I like fat tire, but fat tire on draft. That just the breadiness. I love. I like the yeast profile. I think New Belgium at the time did awesome. Not going to say you're wrong, but <laughs> no, I think that's a very respectable. Uh, 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 I mean, it's one of those. It's one of those old school beers that that usually got us into it. That and are, to me, I think that's why I look back at was the first time I had it. When I moved out to Idaho, it was, it was just like someone had on tap. We went to the club on base or something. Fat tire? What the hell is fat tire? And I just, it's just, I had craft beer before that, but that was the first one that just like opened my eyes like this is. Just that first West Coast craft beer. Yeah, it's not really West Coast, I wouldn't think. I mean, but uh, the club. It's, it's, it's a Belgian style. Yeah, I mean, you're from what? Minnesota? Minnesota. Don't yeah. you know, eh? Yeah. <laughs> so, West Coast for you. <laughs> Everything's West in this city for me. Yeah, uh, but I don't know what it was about that beer. I mean, but that just... I mean it is just, I mean, every once in a while I find myself at a, at, at, it's in a situation where I'm like, well, shit, it's either Bud Light or Coors. 
Sam <laughs> Adams or Fat Tire? Sam Adams or Fat Tire? We'll go with a Fat Tire. I will, and, 100%. I used to be it, Boston Lager, but... And it's, I mean, it's, it is a really nice, like, you know, toasty, caramely, drinkable beer. Yeah. yeah it's, it, There's it, nothing it, wrong with it, but... <laughs> is it, isn't there, Tyler? Because there was judgment in your eyes when you walked in. <laughs> you look down at me now like I'm drinking a Bud Light right now. Dick. Uh, <laughs> Jeff, is there anything that uh, you that you want to add that you wish we would ask or you want to talk about that we hadn't really covered? Honestly, I wasn't I wasn't really prepared for this, so I, I apologize for that for you guys. I think you guys did awesome. I think you guys you knocked it out of the park. So I we didn't give you add. much info. So <laughs> basically, said I'll be here around this time and bring beer. Yeah. <laughs> well, that would have been better, but Tyler got a, a parking ticket today. But no, I think. <laughs> oh. If anything I was to add, I'd be like, come to Blue Pit. Check it out. Uh, I mean, if you are in the Boise area, yeah, make the 30-minute drive to Mountain Home. Go check them out. And if you're from beyond Idaho... Uh, if you're coming to Idaho, I mean, if go you're, check them If you're out. coming in from the east, uh, make a quick stop on your way to Boise. You know, and if you do, uh, let me know that you heard this podcast, and I'll get I'll buy your first beer. Shit. Woo-hoo! There we go. All right. Uh, <laughs> uh, Jeff, that, any fun? That first, as our first uh, like, uh, promotion. promotion or sponsorship deal. So. Any <laughs> fun things or anywhere they can find you or Blue Pit uh, on the interwebs? On interwebs, we just got our, our Facebook page, so you can just uh, do a search for uh, Blue Pit Brewing there in Mountain Home, Idaho, and we also have an Instagram page, so just do a search for uh, Blue Pit Brewing, Mountain Home, Idaho, and you'll find that as well. All right. Well, uh, and if you want to find us, um, you can find uh, It's All Beer on uh, Instagram. I'll, I'll, I post pictures of the random horrible things that Tyler sends me. Well, some of the horrible things that Tyler sends me. Not all of them. It's not for public consumption. You don't consumption. want pics. You don't? No. It's Grundle, man. <laughs> It's, it's weird. Um, it was cold. <laughs> um, Twitter. I um, was in the pool. <laughs> when we do news stories, uh, we post them on our Twitter page. Uh, but also, I post a little updates and and uh, and fun comments. Sometimes I get in a, in a Twitter war with the uh, with the founder of Good Beer Hunting. That's the thing that happened this year. Um, and you can find us at It's All Beer One uh, Facebook. Uh, most of our stuff on Instagram goes on Facebook, and you can see that at It's All Beer. And if you want to get a hold of us and uh, and uh, uh, you know tell Tyler about you know that he should just get over his freaking parking ticket or uh, <laughs> maybe bitch <laughs> or you know collect that free Rob, beer, Rob. Um, you can get a hold of us at itsallbeer at gmail.com. And as always, uh, if you uh, uh, you know you can leave us a review on Facebook uh, or on iTunes or on Stitcher. Um, if you dig this, um, you know it's it's always nice because that would maybe the, you know, a five star review might be the only salve that uh, get can get us uh, uh, get Tyler over this uh, this this funk that hey, he's in. You know I tried to get a Miller Lite beer ornament for the past ten days and couldn't, and then the ticket just topped it off. I'll, I'll give you a five star review tonight. How's that? That sounds. Perfect, um, and that will be all from us. Uh, that is, and actually, that'll be all from all from us from for the year of 2021. We're gonna take uh, uh, four weeks off uh, for Christmas and New Year's and all that. So, um, uh, signing off for 2021. I'm Jeremy Jones. I'm Tyler Zimmerman. Uh, Jeff Parody. Mer- Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, Thanks Happy for listening. Hanukkah, whatever your float your boat. <laughs> yes, uh, uh, Hail Satan, whatever. Um, we'll see you uh, uh, in uh, in January. Thank you for listening, and uh, bye. Have fun. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers.